Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Laud Times podcast. Got Edgar Double Nation, L Nation in the house today. How we doing? Doing great. Happy to be back with you guys as always. Yes, sir. And none other than the famous Mr. Lou from Theaters English. What's up, guys? Great to talk to you guys again. Man, something's up with my camera. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm sure it'll fix itself. Um, Let's talk about, guys, obviously, we've had a packed schedule, and we were just briefly talking about it um, before the we started recording. We haven't had a schedule or a calendar like this uh, in a while. The games seem a little rushed. Um, you can even tell with the team, they're, they're still a little rusty. Um, on the men's side, for sure, the women's seem to be rolling, um, with nothing but victories. They're undefeated, but let's go ahead and talk about Las Amazonas first. They just came off of a fresh 2-1 victory today against Cruz Azul, an early kickoff, um, that we had from Las Amazonas playing against Cruz Azul. I'm going to Give you guys the lineup that they came out with today, and then we'll start discussing a little bit about the game. So today, uh, Mila Martinez was able to do some rotations. Uh, we have Greta Espinosa, Nancy Antonio, Cristina Ferral, and Anika Rodriguez in the back line. Alexia Delgado, Nayeli Rangel in the middle of the field with Tembi, Jenny Hermoso, Belen Cruz, and Alison Gonzalez on the attack. Lou... Uh, we'll start off with impressions about the lineup and what do you think Mila was shooting for based here on the play of the game? Primarily give uh, people rest. I think we had several call-ups. I want to say, what, five or six players got called up to the national team. And even though they didn't play, they've been really busy training. So I think the travel, the training, everything else, I think she wanted to kind of rotate the squad a little bit, maybe give uh, some some of the players that, usually don't get a look a starting opportunity like Belen Cruz for example was kind of, what I thought it was kind of weird was on having Antonio play and as part of the back line I don't know if she was trying to improvise like a line of three back there uh so I don't I don't really know what was going on with that lineup um there was some complaining about it but I thought overall they, they did good um that one goal that Cruz Azul scored was was a gift by the referee there was no foul on the play no, no foul whatsoever so uh, in my opinion, I think they, they did a decent job with, with the players that got selected. I'm not sure why Montoya didn't get a shot. I would have liked to have seen Montoya maybe play, but she did not get an opportunity because I know Tembi can kind of move over to the left side. So you could have played with two true wingers on the on both ends. So that was a little bit of a a mix-up there by, by Mila. She does that at least once or twice a season, so not a big surprise. For sure, for sure. Edgar, I know you said you, you weren't too happy with the lineup selection as well. Um, what was your thoughts about the, the players selected to play tonight and um, what it had to do with the overall play of the game? I mean, I agree with Lou. Uh, seeing Belen Cruz and seeing uh, Nancy Antonio there, kind of surprising. And now our squad has so much depth and it's really stacked to the point where we still had very great players on the field. I mean, Jenny Hermoso was starting as well. Tembi was starting as well. Greta was one of our best defenders, if not the best. Uh, but it just felt weird that you were leaving out so much key talent on the bench. You had uh, Obaye, Mayor. And I mean, I know that there was a national call-up and everything, but it just felt weird. 
I didn't feel convinced. Like our best talent wasn't in the starting lineup. Now I understand if you have to rotate them at the half just to get uh, things going, but it felt really weird. Lou, how do we feel about Nancy Antonio playing back there uh, in the center back position? It seems like Mila's just trying to find her some playing time, sort of like um, Siwoldi on the men's side did with Guido Pizarro, you know, someone that has contributed a lot to the team over the years and doesn't want to push her out or, you know, make her feel like she's being left out of the team's success. So found her a new position. This is probably the second game, but we've seen her play in the past there before. Um, but second game that Mila has started her back there. Um, what do you think about her play? Personally, I think it's it's the right thing to do. We've got plenty of holding mids right now. You got Delgado, who's unmovable. Uh, Mercado has improved, even though we thought she was going to age out of that position. But she's done a lot better these last six, seven games. And, you know, still commands the midfield, does a good job of controlling the pace. And then you also have Rangel that can play that same exact position. So you've got three players in a position where you really don't need two holding mids anymore. You can play with one holding mid. So in my opinion, that's the natural move for Antonio. She's got great height. She's She has uh, a good ability to play out the back. So you, that's another player that you can plug in, defend well, uh, defend any crosses, defend set pieces, and is also able to kind of play out the back, kind of like Guido Pizarro does. You mentioned him, and I think he – he does a great job of, of being able to start the offense. And I think in transitions, uh, Antonio will be key. I just don't see how you justify it unless you play with three true in the back, uh, you know, where you play more of a three, five, two or, uh, and don't, you know, I, I don't see it working out if you're still going to play Anika Rodriguez back there. So it'll be interesting to see what adjustments Mila makes um, because Ferral and Espinosa, unless they're injured, they're, you know, they're automatic starters. Uh, but if you played with three in the back, I think it would it would work out great. She could be kind of a more of a sweeper. Yeah, I mean, she definitely is very talented. I think she's just not at the top of the list when it comes to playing in the middle. So got to find a way to con con continue to make her feel welcome and part of the squad, uh, especially with so many championships under her belt. Um, I was going to mention there's some uh, sort of uh, – pushback whenever Nayeli Rangel gets playing time from lots of fans. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is there. Uh, I know she's not our most talented player nowadays in terms of when she began playing for us. And, you know, she was one of the pioneers in, in terms of playing overseas, uh, representing the national team at a very young age, uh, as well as with Mayor. But it's it just seems like no matter what decision uh, Mila makes, whether she puts her, you know, playing in the back at times or defensive mid, uh, central mid position, of an, an attacking mid position, even a forward at times, it seems like there's still a lot of backlash from the fans in terms of her being on the playing field. What do you guys think that may be due to? Partly it's because you feel like there's better position, better players at that position. If you compare her to, for example, uh, Mari Carmen Reyes, Mari Carmen Reyes has more energy, uh, better pace, covers more of the pitch. And so you, you begin comparing them and then you go, okay, well, Mari Carmen Reyes should have gotten the start. For example, today, you could easily say uh, Mila should have started Reyes over Rangel. 
And so when when people start making those comparisons, I think it then you start seeing like, okay, it makes sense what they're saying. For example, playing her at the nine. Yeah, you could you could play her at the nine, but why don't you play Jenny Hermoso or Alison Gonzalez or you know Stephanie Mayor or even Mari Carmen Reyes at that position? So when you when you're making comparisons, obviously she's not gonna shine. But I think in Mila Coach Mila Martinez's eyes, I think she brings things that in an overall package, she brings things that other players don't bring. And so you're able to play her at the holding mid position and she gives you a scoring opportunity. Does she play better than Delgado or Mercado? No, she does not. However, can Mercado and Delgado score at any point in the game? No, you don't get a scoring threat from those two. And Rangel is a scoring option. So to me, there's utility in, in playing her. And, and that's, I would argue that She's kind of like our Swiss Army knife where you can plug her in at any position and she's going to give you a good amount of defense, a good amount of offense, and a scoring option. And I think that's what Mila likes. It's kind of like the people that criticized uh, Tuca for playing Dueña so much. You know, but but there was utility in him. There was there was a certain thing that he brought that others couldn't. And so that's what I see in Raquel also. That's a great comparison, honestly. Um due to the fact that towards the end, Duenas, it seemed like it was overly played by Tuca to force him into the lineup at either the left-back spot, the right-back spot, central defensive mid, right mid. I mean, any position Duenas was able to play, the only thing he didn't play was goalie or uh, forward. <laughs> but every other position he was able to play. So that's a great comparison. I think that um, – I just think we got to be a little bit more um, patient with the squad selection. I think that it's tough. No, no, no matter how you play it, um, it's a tough decision day in and day out to see who's going to play. You know, we, you talked about prior to recording about uh, Montoya not getting, you know, some of the time. So it's going to be tough. I mean, and I'm sure it's even tougher on the players to see that they're not getting the playing time. But they have to buy in somehow. Um, that's what Tigres Femenil is about winning championships. And, you know, with the growth of the league and hopefully the more exposure, you know, there will be a lot more competition in the future to where they will be getting more playing time and they're able to rotate. And she doesn't seem like she'll struggle with the rotation of players. I just think that from a coaching perspective, uh, in terms of having a dominant system and like a uh, um, famil familiarity of the players playing with each other. There's not many you can move. I mean, you know, we talk about it on the men's side too. You know, we want some rotations, but you know, you, once they do too many rotations, you know, you, you move four or five players around, the the squad doesn't look as good as it normally does with the uh, with the starters. So, it's a tough decision. You know, one two players probably a lot easier to accommodate, but you know, a full rotation of players like happened today, and like especially players out of position, she's gonna get some backlash and criticism, but the results are there. I'll say this, Arnoldo, too, and, and, and a lot of fans don't take it into account, and it's it's important, is that every team that plays us now plays it plays us like it's their life is on the line. I mean, you looked at Cruz Azul. When they gave up that goal, uh, Yoko was, like, yelling at her teammates, and and they, they were mad. They huddled. Cruz Azul huddled at halftime, and they were, like, really upset, and they were, like, honestly, they felt like it felt like it was, like, they were playing for a championship. And they play us like that every game. And you go look at Cruz Azul's 
this season, they've had terrible games where they're just they're not trying, but you get max effort. And so, you know, you rotate the squad and then you you're playing a team that's playing like it's the end of the world. And and that that kind of evens things out a little bit. You know, they're they're putting max effort in. And so, you know, that needs to be taken into account too, is that we're getting everybody's best effort every single week. There's no there's no days off for us because everybody wants to bring us down. 100%. And the mental aspect there requires also from our players to not let down their, you know, their momentum, their level of competition, especially with so many victories, so many championships that you it could easily be uh or they could go into a mental state of um being lackadaisical and not going through the motions as they should, probably should and compete every every game. So Nonetheless, uh, another victory, uh, undefeated season thus far. Um, we're going to lose some of our players, as you mentioned, uh, to due to national team duty for the Women's Gold Cup and preparation, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Gold Cup starts more in a couple of weeks. Uh, so pretty interesting. First game of the next three or two, I should say, on the road. We were on the road today against Cruz Azul. We'll be on the road against... Toluca on Friday the 9th, another early game, 5 o'clock Central Standard Time for those that are tuning in, and then followed by the 25th uh, against Juarez, uh, but we'll be having that at home, actually, so that'll be until the 25th of February, so that'll be after the Gold Cup game, so um, still a lot of games and a lot of, a lot of opportunity for those players who may not get the playing time, especially with the national team players being called up. Any uh, last thoughts or predictions uh, going into that Toluca game on the 9th, which is this Friday? It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Toluca's much improved from, from last year. It seems like every season Toluca's kind of been getting better and better, and and they're starting to invest in their squad, into their players, and you can see it. Um, they're They're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, we've we're we're working. We've got 13 unbeaten game streak going right now. Six straight wins. So we got the streak. I think the the girls know that that the streak's on the line. Uh, I could I could see at the end of the game that they were satisfied with the win, but a little chip on their shoulder, knowing that they didn't give the best effort. You know, and honestly, that they didn't close the game out that great. So I think they'll be fired up for Toluca. I think they'll. Mila will make some adjustments. She didn't look happy either. So I think we'll be ready for them, and, and hopefully we keep that streak going. Absolutely. Edgar, any uh, last thoughts? Even on Allison, uh, Ali Gold's performance, scoring two goals and going into that game uh, against Toluca? She did great, and I hope she definitely does get some more minutes against Toluca. Uh, one of the players that did leave me really impressed. I actually mentioned in the chat, too, I was not 100% satisfied with her coming off the field. I think she was just having a really great game. I would have given her the full 90, but... Uh, with the depth that we have and just with the lineup that we threw out, um, I can understand why this up happened. And what a way to perform, too, after that backlash she was getting online from uh, some of the press uh, or media day words that she said maybe out loud that probably hurt some people. We, we got to get rid of some of the sensitive people we have uh, from our fan base. Oh, man. Yeah. I definitely it, it, once again, it just goes back to people making comparisons, you know, and, and they can't like if you compare her to older players, you know, you, you might have liked the older the, 
the previous player better? Who knows? But here's the thing, man. Alison Gonzalez is 22 years old, barely turned 22. I think she, her birthday was yesterday or something. And yeah. she's got 113 goals in the league, dude. I mean, if you're a Tigres fan, how can you not be happy with that and the and the future potential? Yeah. You, we... You've got a legend. You've got a legend on the squad already at 22. And she's got another solid 10 years at least and more. So, we... I mean... Don't complain. We could easily have three out of the top five goal scorers of all time in, in league history 30, 40, 50 years from now with Alison Mayor and Jackie Ovalle. And the fourth one being Katy Martinez scoring the majority of her goals with us. So um, it's great to be a Tigres Femenil fan. And, you know, we're just waiting for that last jump and availability of games so we can see her at the see them at the next uh, stage. And of, of a higher competition, hopefully against some international. We've been talking about it. Hopefully it manifests itself and, and comes to light. Cool. Moving on to the men's side. Tigres. Um, we, uh, you know, we had, we talked about the full calendar and the game last Wednesday. Uh, the last part we recorded, we were able to speak about the first game of the season against Leon and Chivas. And then we had a game against San Luis, um, and then the game against Querétaro. We tied. Uh, I'm sorry, we beat San Luis two to one. Uh, Cordoba uh, got another goal in, and so did Bruneta. Uh, so that was fantastic. We were able to steal a victory there, and then the tie against Querétaro, um, which was. Man, I don't know. I I think I'm just gonna use the word and summarize it. It was an awful game. Um, I hate those type of games just because I hate the opponent. Um, not necessarily Querétaro. I just hate the the type of opponent that that they are. And you know the whole own goal Pizarro, the numerous amounts of like chances that we created in the second half. Uh, the turning against the of, against each other in the group thread of like how we we are haters of Linus and haters of the squad, uh, all due to an awful game. Lou, tell me about this awful game and awful performances. The last I People... said it on the group thread that it reminded me of the Chima Ruiz days. Like remember those Chima Ruiz days where we were playing pretty good and we we just couldn't score and like. It was just like the unluckiest streak we ever had. And I said, man, I hope it doesn't carry over into the next the game. And I think it was Edgar that said, hey, man, like, shut up. Like, it's not going to carry over. But, you know, it's like it, it was that kind of night, man. We gave up an own goal. It was like super weird. You know, it really wasn't like much going on there. There was no danger or anything coming from Querétaro. It was like a little soft cross and Pizarro, you know, puts a toe on it and it goes in and. Now, where's out of place? Because he, he didn't think that was going anywhere. And and then we missed a PK. Nico shot it terribly, you know. We didn't have Gignac around, so Gignac was sick because he had, I don't know, diarrhea. What was it that he had? I can't remember. Some kind of stomach issue. But, you know, so our, our PK taker wasn't around, so I'm lucky there. And, and then Nico misses, which I had a feeling he was. Because it was that kind of night, you know, nothing was going for us. Our XG was like a 2.38. I mean, it, it was the best game we've had this season as far as, like, production's concerned. 
And it's it's the game where we couldn't score. I mean, it was we just we ran out of time, and and we you could tell when you have those kind of games as a as a unit, the unit kind of knows like there's some bad juju going on here, and and then it just kind of messes with your mind, and nothing works out. And I, it was just kind of it was that night, and we were all frustrated on the on the group thread, and you know it kind of carries over into everything. So it was it's just hopefully it doesn't carry over. Hopefully I'm wrong, and it's not. Chima, we're now back to the Chima days, but it was just a frustrating night overall. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Edgar, any any thoughts you want to add on to that? I mean, it just seemed like the team, like Lou said, it wasn't their night, but I don't know if you have any additional thoughts over the play of the team over the last two games. I mean, given what we did against San Luis, and San Luis is a team that's uh... – been up and coming that despite their loss of Andre Jardine, they kept their composure and have become a very competitive team. I'm not going to say they're the best, obviously, but they're a very solid team that likes to complicate things. So I'm not too concerned uh, based off of that performance. And I mean, just looking at our numbers against Querétaro, 19 shots, 7 on target, 71% possession, 87% pass accuracy with 596 passes. And a couple of good stats that I could read you guys, but just given that, it was just a bad night. The ball didn't go in the net. There, so I'm not concerned. There is a few things that I feel like have to be improved like tremendously. One of them being transitions. Um, that is our true weakness. Um, and I think that's why we also, you know, even though we beat Chivas, a team that's so high intensity, as high, you know, dynamic, could do some dangerous. And, you know, obviously, when we played in the final, even though they won um, the championship against us, I think that that was where America was hurting us the most. But we were able to control them. And I think that we just we were unfortunate with a series of events that we all know, uh, beginning with the red card of Fulgencio. But the transitions are something that it doesn't seem like it's going to end. So, Lou, what do you see that? could help us out there you know for the short term because the long-term solution is definitely reinforcing the back line but short term what do you think can be done in order to help us out in that area well for starters i think our guys are out of position um i haven't seen a, a tigres team in a long time probably at least probably like 15 years where set pieces are a liability like corner kicks primarily they they we go from a corner kick into the box and they get a counter either we just don't have the speed back there to keep up with whoever or our guys are out of position and now we're 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 facing a counter so we go from an opportunity to score off a set piece which we do nothing with and then the other the other team the opposing team has a a brilliant counter against us every time and i'm seeing that like it's a trend now and it's like Part of the reason is because we, we're not positioned correctly on the pitch. We don't have enough guys outside the box, and the guys that we do have don't have the speed to keep up with their speedy wingers. And so that's an issue. All season long, I'm seeing our center backs not knowing their spots, not knowing who's behind them, not knowing who's who's on coming on the side. Angulo has been kind of rough as far as trekking back. So any – Offensive to defensive transitions, he's never in the correct spot where he needs to be, which places undue stress on the center backs. 
because now you've got wide open players on the wings that will cross into center backs that are not well positioned. So a lot of it is, is looking at film and, and figuring out, okay, wh- where are our spots? Where do we need to be? And unfortunately, I just don't see like Samir. Samir has been disappointing, to be honest, because I just don't see him having the the game intelligence to be able to fix it. Uh, like there, there's certain qualities about him that I like a lot. He's he can be aggressive when the ball's in front of him. So if there's an attacker and he's got to go one on one, he's very good. He's very good at attacking you know, the opposing uh, wingers or the opposing forwards in a 1v1 situation. But when it's in a transition, he just he does not track back correctly. And I just don't see him having the right instincts for it, unfortunately. So to me, I don't want to say I want to give up on the guy, but I would like to see other options there moving forward. Uh, if, if that means we got to play Reyes or Purata, give somebody else a shot, you know, I'm up for it. And I, I, we just don't have a lot of talent in that in that spot. I mean, we're playing a, a holding mid in, at center back. Pizarro's playing center back. So that kind of tells you everything. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a tough thing for Siwoldi. And, and obviously there's adjustments you can make, but I think it's going to be a long season in that regard. Uh, and it could it could end up costing us, especially in high-scoring situations, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's uh, very interesting that when I asked you uh, the question, you transitioned into you know what the second key that I believe that, that requires tremendous improvement, which was the corner kicks. It's really hard to process that we are not able to get good crosses in the box, not only on build-up play, because that's another whole conversation um, that I'm going to move into, um, but when there's set pieces of crosses from the corner kick spot, you have Bruneta, you have Nando Gorgaran, you have Carioca, you have Cordoba, Cordoba. And we play the short play, and which is fine to do a few times, a couple of times, X amount of times, you know, to change it up. But you're wasting opportunities when you have Pizarro going in the box, you have Samir going in the box, you have Nico Ibanez in the box, you know, whoever that's not taking the corner kicks in the box. It's really frustrating to see that not being something that is being a huge opportunity as a, uh, as a scoring threat. And then goes into the first point of, you know, the trans- defensive transition, which it leaves us vulnerable in the back. So you're doing two things there that are hurting you automatically, which is not taking advantage of the set piece in the corner and then allowing defensive transitions. And then the other thing where I think that we have to also look at is the area or side selection of how we're building up. And I think that's also what's costing us uh, defensively, especially in a transition when the other opposing team recovers is, if you notice, Pizarro steps up higher on his side of the of the field uh, to be more aligned with a Carioca and be closer because we're playing more through the right side. And that was my frustration uh, with the whole situation with Linus. I think defensively in his position, he does a great job of transitioning back. And that is the number one thing that he's improved as a player at Tigres. Um, but I think that 
as a winger and at the position that he's played at and at the position that he grew up, you know, going to Europe as, as an offensive player, he's not helping with the offense as he should be helping. And now with Quinones going to the back and the whole novella situation with him and the disgruntled fans from like years and years and years and like the ungratefulness towards him being one of the highest players assistant, uh, other players and the key assist that he normally has, like the one against Cordoba in the series against Rayados in the championship, like the one he had against Cordoba again, or no, that was Aquino, I'm sorry, uh, against Chivas. But he's had his moments. So I think that I'm not defending him and I'm not trying to stick up for him. But I think that there's no other player that gives you what he does. And I'm not saying that he has to start. But I think that, you know, we have to look at another option. You know, Marcelo Flores, you know, clearly to Siboldi is just a guy that's going to fill in for some minutes uh, at the end of the game. Not somebody that he's going to trust with, hey, go do what Linus is doing because he doesn't give you what he Linus does defensively. So that's why the argument for Marcelo Flores is hard for me to like, you know, consider with everybody else because I, I am being brutally honest with what I see and what I know that Siboldi is seeing is that defensively he's a liability. He doesn't, you know, have the tactical awareness defensively to help out. So he's only coming in for offensive urgency and last minutes, of here you go we're up have some fun but other than that like the most of the game is coming or that our buildup is going through the middle of the field which becomes very predictable or towards our right side because either Brunetta sliding out there with Nando or Nando sliding out there with Cordoba and the right back in this case Garza and prior to that is Aquino but not on the side of Angulo it seems like the whole situation where, you know, when Damian Alvarez was around, we played so much through the left side, but Damian Alvarez was on a lone island because we knew Torres Nilo was not going to be able to help out offensively. So that's where I also see a lot of the, the problem is that because Pizarro is having to step into that right side to help strengthen that right side of play, the transition also is a little weird because then you have Carioca, who's not a player that's going to track with speed back. So it just seems that we're caught up out of position and therefore becoming a defensive liability and consistent points out by the broadcast pointing out by us. And we see the problem with our defense being our number one problem of this team in general. So not sure what you guys think about all that, but I just, I felt like I wanted to like throw that out in, in the air, especially with, you know, the last few games where we just, you know, we got to get it together. And I'm not saying that we're not going to have it together by Liguilla time. But I think that the play matters. I think that the overall play matters. And I think that, you know, just having the talent to win games is not going to be enough. Because, unfortunately, it wasn't enough at, in the last championship that we had against America. Seems like you're you're improvising too much in a back line. You, you've got a Kino who really isn't a true right back. Let's face it, right? He he kind of he kind of shifted into that position because he's gotten older, and I'm not saying he's not doing it well, but he he's still not a true right back. And then you've got Pizarro playing center back, who's not a true center back either. And I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not saying he's terrible at it, but he's not. They're two two guys out of four that are not in the right positions. And now you've got a Samir Caetano who isn't playing 
at his optimal level and hasn't been for a while. So now you've got an issue with three out of four guys somewhat deficient, and that leaves you on Gordo, who tends to make mistakes here and there. So at some point, I think the front office is going to have to say, hey, let's get dedicated guys at these positions. And it's going to be tough because you've got you've got leaders back there. You've got Aquino and you got Pizarro who are who have been cornerstones for this for this team for a long time. It's it's really tough decisions there. Yeah, one hundred percent. Alfred suggested uh, a lineup out there that I really liked. Uh, still keeping us in a four in the back with Linus being the uh, was he the right back. He was a right back, and then he had man. I I it's probably take me a while to scroll up on on the thread, but I think he had Osiel, um, uh, Gignac, um, but obviously Nico in place of of him at the moment. Nando and Carioca. He had Angulo, Linus, Samir, and I think Pizarro. If I'm not mistaken, could be wrong, but I think basically putting. Diego Linus, where I think he should be playing like in the long term. I think he has the height of a good left back. He has the technical ability of a good left, uh, new version left back in, in today's soccer. He has effort, you know, to track back. He's able to, you know, dribble the ball if he needs to, if he overlaps the a, a, tr uh, a better left winger that could produce at that position in the future. So I think that for me, like obviously I don't get paid the millions of dollars to to do this, but I think that that's an excellent uh, future futuristic position. And the other that you know we haven't talked about, but we did talk about it a little bit um, prior to the season is maybe using a back line of three. I know that's not Sivoldi's like forte, but that would solve some problems there in terms of defensive transitions. You have a Linus who can play on the on the left wing back spot. You have a, you place Angulo in the middle. You know you you could play with Diego Reyes and Pizarro, which allows that flexibility of the foreign spot to come in and you know play another foreign spot up top, or you roll with Samir and keep it the same Pizarro. But you have three in the back, and you have Aquino or Garza. You know whichever you're going with that's healthy. But obviously we know it's Aquino's Aquino's position, so. Maybe that helps out. I mean, he uses it to close out games. I don't know how it would look setting up in a full 90 minutes, but I think that's something that also needs to be tried out, especially with continuous defensive issues that we're going to have because they're not going to stop unless the offense gets it together. We take advantage of set pieces. You know, the, the possession that Edgar mentioned um, becomes more, meaningful instead of meaningless uh with so many passes uh so where we can find that those key moments to be a lot more aggressive in the last third and create more chances as opposed to just having the ball um and not have create the chances and honestly i think against high power teams like like america who has good wing play you almost have to go five four one you know you could go lines angulo Pizarro, Reyes, Aquino, one holding mid in in, in Carioca, right? Because with Pizarro, you can easily play him. He's playing as a sweeper, so he can drop in and out as much as you want. And then that leaves you 
three attacking mids. You can go Herrera, you can go Bruneta, Cordova with Gignac or Ibanez up top. And and I think that kind of creates a more balanced, you know, situation. Um, so I mean, I think he he needs to he needs to try it out for sure, especially against these more powerful teams. You can get away with a lot of stuff against a Querétaro, for example. Querétaro was gonna park the bus ninety minutes anyway against us. They didn't want no part of it. They don't want to be swinging with us, you know. And it, and it was obvious they were they were playing for a tie and and they they got away with it. But you know, so there's. There's teams where play with four in the back, no no issues. You know, you you can defend a parked bus pretty easily. Uh, but you know, against America, Rayados, even against Chivas, I felt like they struggled a little bit, especially mm -hmm. with the press. So you know, there's certain situations where I, I'm definitely with you. They need to go with three in the back. Yeah, and the one thing that you mentioned is Osiel Herrera. Uh, Remember I talked about it a few weeks back. He's in that dangerous zone and not because he's not favored by Tsiboldi, but how much more time does it need to go by for him to not to get, you know, a 90 minute play, a 70 minute play. Like after a while, mentally, I'm sure he's going to, he's going to struggle with no matter how professional he is that he's coming in fix, you know, resolving um, issues or scoring issues and giving you a victory or a tie or, you know, keeping you in a game and not getting enough playing time. What do you think, Edgar? Do we uh, see him anytime soon as a full-time starter, or is he still in that role of being the first sub off the bench, you know, most of the time? I mean, I think he's going to be fighting for a starting position for a while. I'm predicting he might start in Champions League. Just a thought. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But as far as uh, keeping a position in the starting 11, I think it's going to be very difficult. Would you want to see him starting, Lou? I do. It just, the reason I, I do want to see him start is because I'm with you. I want to see Lainez become a fullback or a wingback. And 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 so if you move Lainez down to wingback, then now you're left with the option of Quiñones or Marcelo Flores. And to me, Quiñones doesn't need to be on our squad anymore. I think we need to find a way to get rid of Quiñones. Uh, and Marcelo Flores is a long-term project. You know, Marcelo, you mentioned that he's got deficiencies on defense, and he, I'm sure he'll improve on that. And I trust that he will. In, right. He'll improve, and I and I like what offensively he'll he'll bring. But he's a long-term project, so he's not ready for prime time. And so to me, that leaves that vacancy. That's that left winger spot, and I think that needs to be Osiel Herrera, because Osiel, even though he's not a true winger. He, he gives you a lot of different options as far as playing with the other attacking He's a threat. and a scoring threat, which you don't have from Lainez or Luis Quinones. So there's a, there's a couple of plays where he, you know, when he was on the left flank and he took on defenders and he's, you, you immediately see that he's more of a threat because he's more physically uh, bigger than Lainez and Quinones. He has just as much skill on the ball, but like you mentioned, he's also a scoring threat in the box. So I really like the the five four one that you mentioned, just because having him Cordova and Bruneta behind Gignac or or Nico, those three easily tuck inside and have mobility to like move outward as well, but not with the true intention of like, hey, here's the ball dribble out on the flank because you're the winger. I think that 
is where the wing backs can come in and extend the field and allow that wideness with them having that mobility toward through the middle. So I just think that, that that's an that's an opportunity that also definitely needs to be explored. And I think historically, and when I say historically, at least like the last five or six years, we're no longer a team that has wingers that can cross the ball. Lainez went 0 for 10 in his crosses against uh, Querétaro. 0 for 10. What, what, I did, mean, I, what did I tell you the, the stat was I, over the four games? It was like 1 for 20 or 2 for 20? Yeah, it, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, if you just look, I mean, overall his career, he's not a terrible crosser. So I don't know. Something's going on with him. I think he's in the 25, 24%. Overall, for his career, is, is crossing efficiency, which is not too bad, because Luis Quinones is a lot worse than that. I think Luis Quinones is like half that. But at Tigres, he's proven that he's not a reliable crosser. And so, why are you playing traditional wingers to make bad crosses into the box? That is, it doesn't work for us anymore. So, what you need is attacking mids that can move all over the place. You mentioned Gorri moves, Bruneta moves, Cordova moves. You plug in Herrera, Herrera's another guy that, that moves. Yeah, he can he can work that wing, but he's not static like Luis Quiñones or Lainez. He's able to move into the box. He's able to be versatile in his movements to where now you have more scoring options. You've got a guy who can get into the box consistently, and and the crosses and the passes can come from anybody. It doesn't matter who's crossing. I mean, I don't care if Lainez is making the crosses. I don't care who. I just need it to be good crosses. And it's shown that Bruneta... Cordova and Herrera can work better together making passes in the final third that lead to scoring opportunities. Instead of your traditional, let the winger go all the way up the wing, make a cross when he gets to the end line, and then, you know, Gignac's going to score. It's not working for us. It hasn't worked in the last six, seven years. Tell me what team actually is successful at that in the Mexican League. You just don't have very many good passers. I mean, the... If you go back 15, 20 years ago, you had Carlos Adrián Morales, you know, those guys that, that were spectacular crossers, Ramon Ramírez, you know, those guys come to mind. But those guys don't exist in the game anymore. I don't and know what's happened. the game has changed. And the game has changed. True. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, even, you know, you look at America, Luis Quiñones is playing the left wing spot, but he's not going out there to take on guys one-on-one and get, get sent crosses into the box. It's a buildup by using his technical ability and his speed and physical ability to build up and use that advantage that he has. He may have that open space on that wing, on that wing position. But I think that, you know, you're right. I think that it, we're not a squad that like, hey, here you go, take your t- team on. And there's, you know, we haven't been like that in a very long time. You know, probably since prime time, the Damian Alvarez, where you can just give him the ball and go one on one. And let him have and have a good cross, you know. Luis Quinones, that attempt was there, and and that opportunity was given to him over the years. But little by little, he you know decreased his efficiency. You know, I still think that you know he was able to provide some great crosses and key crosses to people. And you know, on on if he wants to, he can be the best winger in the league if he wants to, because what he has, there's not many wingers that have in the Mexican league, and. You know, there's a reason that there's coaches that praise him, you know, and, and scout him every time and consider him to be the starter. You know, we, you know, we, uh, two of the NS guys 
always praise him, you know, always say that he's going to become the starter over Linus in over the long run of the season. So I guess, again, not saying that I'm defending him or st sticking up for him and he needs to be the starter, but I think that there's tons of options and ways to move it around. And, you know, the good thing is that Siboldi has been good with, with changes and the, the production and the results are there to back him up to where we can't really sit here and be like, screw you, Siboldi. You got to do something <laughs> different. But it's a little frustrating that, you know, we we're, we're where we're at, especially having Brunetta plugged in. And so I'm not fully convinced of the squad yet. I, I hope to be convinced soon. And I know it's going to take some time, but it's this we're rolling with the same starting lineup. The only difference is you're, you're throwing uh, Brunetta in and a player like that doesn't really need to be acclimated into a starting lineup. And so I think that we should be looking a lot better than what we are. Yeah, and, and Brunetta honestly hasn't been the problem for us at all. I mean, he's contributed. He's, he's given us assists. He's given us a scoring threat. So it's not him. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's our transition game. It's it's our lack of set piece ability, and you know it, that's that's the problem. And it's been a problem for the last six seven months for us. So it's nothing new. Yep, you know and which makes that championship against Chivas even more special because after everything the team went through, like they pulled it off and, you know, there's a lot of uh, effort by players and, you know, risk and bold decisions by Siboldi there to, to pull it off. But I mean, even plugging in Chuy Garza, he's not the same player as Aquino, but it hasn't really looked where you're like, Oh, Aquino's gone. He's missing. He's giving you similar play or, you know, coming close to what Aquino provides you on the field, which leads to, or, you know, what I'm talking about in terms of like, it's not Brunetta that you say it's a problem because he's coming in and contributed. It's the overall unit and we just got to get it together. And I think that, the, you know, I don't, I don't truly believe it's like, oh, you know, we, we, it's going to take us a while to get there. Like, at time will be good, but. We got, we gotta, you know what I mean? Like, Siboldi has been here for a while, and I think that it's time to, you know, move some things around, especially with some players um, that he's usually highly reliable on. And it's always better to correct when you're doing well as you're, you know, earning points. We've earned 10 out of 12. I mean, there's can't complain too much. Yeah, we haven't looked great in a lot of those games, but 10 out of 12, top of the standings nearly. Uh, we're, you know, we're right there with America and Monterrey. So, you know, I think we'll continue that way. And so, you know, you can't complain too much. A lot of the stuff will fix as the season goes on and you know how it is. It's, uh, it's how you play in Liguilla that really matters in the end. Absolutely. But it is one of our best starts. I think historically Tigres has been a team that wakes up very, very slowly in the early games. They lose first or second jornada. It's not a team that has that invicto status for very long. Uh, but the way it's going this season, it's not terrible. No, not terrible at all. But I just, I still think that we're uh, snoozing. I, I, we've gotten, yeah. we've gotten away with some victories that, um, obviously are going to be favorable and, and put us in good position towards the end. Especially if they, if we're right and the team continues to ascend into better performance and better form. So, we got uh, our our babies. Our favorite squad to play against Los Pumitas. 
Oh man. I love playing against them. You 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 said it the same way, but like 10 seconds before you typed it out in, in the group thread. I just love Pumas games. And they they just have this like feeling that you, there's gonna be goals, like it's gonna be an open game because they as a club, they have something to prove against us now over the last 10 years or so of performances, and we sent them home and beat them in the championship. So I just love the feeling of going into a Pumas game, especially at home. Volcan, Nahuel is back at El Volcan. He's going to get them going. So how are we feeling? How many did we score last time we were at home against them? Four or five? I know we put up a ton. That was like the best Chima Ruiz game, Chima four. Ruiz era game we had. It was four to one, no? And I think that that was the uh, his first game. That he took over, and that was the game of Gignac's golazo from Cordoba's like beautiful assist. Yeah, that was that was a that was a special night. That was nice. Yeah, it's just there's just something about like they they see that jersey and they just tear it up. <laughs> oh, that should be a great one. What uh, what how are we feeling? What what what's the, what's the prediction there? Three points for sure. Yeah. Two to three goals. I mean, if Gignac plays, he's for sure scoring. There's no question about that. The way it's looking right now, he might be on the bench, subject to how he's feeling tomorrow, really. But I think we can still score. And I'm really confident it's going to be a fun game. Lou, before I get your prediction, I'm so glad you made me remember to talk about him. Um, We finally know that the injury that he deals with, that groin injury, it has to be taken care of uh, surgically. So obviously, you know, report came out from Vladimir that he's going to analyze doing the surgery in June in France, uh, which is pretty funny to me that he's definitely going to do it in France. Uh, why not Monterrey, where he's been at, and we have some of the best doctors? Um, <laughs> but... Anyways, I'm I'm not sure, you know, what type of injury or how that plays uh, in, in terms of performance for a player. I just know that he's, you know, he's talked about uh, that it can be painful at times. And obviously, you know, he has to sit out games, but there's a plan. So by plan, meaning, you know, there's a way to deal with it throughout the season, which makes me believe that we're definitely going to see him miss more games this season, probably more than he has in probably the last, you know, or ever at Tigres. Um, he's already two games out with a stomach virus. So that's not good. You never want to be taken down by something that it's meaningless, if we want to put it in simple terms. And that news that came out a couple of days ago, just, it sucks because, again, father time, you know, doesn't exclude anyone and, even though it's minor and, you know, it's a five-week recovery, you know, that for sure leaves him out of the League's Cup. So can we compete in the League's Cup? Absolutely. Um, but it's just really unfortunate to uh, hear that and it just sucks. Yeah, and, and to the people criticizing Nico, once again, man, it's people comparing players to other players. Don't compare Nico to Gignac because he's not going to ever be at that level. But 
we're in good hands with Nico, man. Nico Ibanez is a good, good striker. And we're gonna be all right. I mean, the fans just need to chill out. He's gonna he's gonna do good. He's gonna play well. So we're in good hands. I mean, if Gignac misses League's Cup, we'll be fine. We got Brunetta, we got Nico Ibanez, we've got Herrera, we got Cordova, we got guys that can score and fill in. So everybody just needs to relax a little bit there. Brunetta yeah. needs to be the PK taker though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, don't don't let Nico take him. No, but I think we had already established that there's only one Gignac. I mean, we've seen other teams try and fail multiple times to have their own superstar, their own French player, their own European player, and they'd never adapt to Liga MX. I mean, it happened to us with Florian. He was supposed to be the next one, and that's a very sad story. I don't like to talk about it. Screw that guy. We struck gold, man. We struck gold with Gignac. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, once-in-a-lifetime kind of event. I mean... Let's face it. In our generation, that that might be the only guy we ever see at that level. Yeah, he's definitely that scores that many goals. Is that historic? Wins that many cups? I mean, Lou prediction, and then tell me a little bit about the forty nine goals he he has to score in order to tie Cardoso. <laughs> prediction. I'm gonna go. Uh, I think it'll be a high scoring one, man. I think it'll be like a three two game in our favor. But I think there's going to be a lot of goals. It's just you mentioned that it's it's kind of a it's always a magical night when you play Pumas. The the fans get up for it. The energy's good in the stadium. It tends to be one of those exciting games, and and I think it's going to be wide open. I think both teams are going to go all out. They're not going to come in to park the bus. So I think it's going to be good, high scoring. So three two is what I'll go with. Sweet, love that. And do we tie Cardoso or not? Yeah, we do, man. We're gonna get there. We, I don't care if Gignac has to play till he's forty-three or whatever. He's we're gonna make him get there, dude. He's not leaving. If I he, gotta go beg over there, I'll, I'll get on my knees and beg for him to he, stay. He said uh, at media day that he he definitely sees himself scoring thirty. Yeah, I told I told you guys I, that man does not. That man definitely thinks about beating him. No oh matter, yeah, all the all the praise that he's giving Cardoso, he knows forty-nine goals. In the Mexican league is a definitely very doable um, feat, and so I think that he plays four seasons, five seasons more, he's in it. Oh yeah, and he's a competitor, man. He's he's a competitor. He, he wants it. Man, I, I oh god, I would love to see that happen. I have to see that happen. I need. I need. Oh yeah, dude. I need this man to be clear number one. I have. I don't want no arguments. He's he's got him in championships, you know. I, at this point, it's about like the forty nine goals difference and whether you like him or not because he played for Tigres and you want to hate. But after he ties him or scores fifty, oh my god, uh, bro! If he was if he was playing for America or Chivas or you know Cruz Azul, it wouldn't even be a conversation. They would they were already you know they would have already catapulted him to you know, higher status. It's just, you know, it's, there's a little hate there, you know? Absolutely. So last thing before we go, guys, League's Cup calendar was announced. We play the Pink Goat and Los Camoteros superpower of Puebla in the League's Let's Cup. Let's go. Let's go, man. Messi versus Gignac, maybe. 
Messi might not play. Gignac might not play. But let's let's uh, pump it up anyway. Yeah, Lou, tell us a little bit about the rule change. I know that you uh, were able to see a little bit of uh, the difference of going into this League Cup. So there's definitely some things that changed for several Mexican teams like America, uh, Monterrey, and definitely Tigres. Um, I think Chivas is the other one. But the seating was, or the draw, it was not a draw this year. So it was more uh, based on rankings, which I don't even know how Messi... Uh, Miami is uh <laughs> was in the same category as you know Tigres if we were eliminated a lot sooner and it just didn't that, that part didn't make sense to me. So talk to me a little bit about what you were able to understand and grasp from the new way of playing the Leagues Cup and then the draw that we got and with Los Supercamoteros and um Goat FC. So I'm glad the the suits all sat down and talked about the mess that it was traveling last last league's cup because it really killed us to be able to go all up and down the west coast for us and then having to travel to houston across the entire country uh it wasn't fair for for us and it wasn't fair for a lot of the mexican teams how much travel time there was involved so i think the the suit sat down and figured out this ranking system uh which they gave points to to people who in the calendar year had certain amount of points and you know in the standings and things like that they took all those things into account and so Monterrey came out first America's second I believe and then we fell down all the way to like sixth place but at least that gave us the opportunity to choose the venue for the group stage so the the first teams for example uh, uh, Rayados and America they get into into the quarterfinals and semifinals they get to still have a, a say in the venue uh, whereas we only get a, get to say where we play during the group stage. But I think that's going to translate into us playing potentially in Texas somewhere, either Houston, Dallas, uh, more than likely one of those two. And so that's good. That's great news for us, really, because we've got a huge fan base here in Texas and we pack it in either in Houston or in Dallas. We'll, we'll fill that stadium up. So there'll be an invasion for sure, no matter who we play uh, and even all the Villamelones from all the Messi Villamelones, they're not going to pack the city more than us. So um, awesome opportunity to to be able to go to those games if you're in Texas. And I think it's going to be awesome, man. I, I'm already marking it on the calendar. I'm getting ready for that. Should be great. I think we've got it from what I've seen from Inter-Miami. They don't look great. They've gotten skunked quite a bit by these uh, Saudi teams. Win that group. So, so we should take care of the group and that should, you know, put us into the next stage. So I'm really excited for it. I hope we, we make a good run. I just became aware of when you said the Via Melones of Messi. I know that if it's in Houston, we'll have majority of fans, but that's going to be an expensive ticket because people that want to see Messi that wouldn't have the chance to go see him in Miami are going to want to come watch him here in Texas. And, or more so in Houston, if it is here, especially because we're uh, a big soccer city and, you know, the, bi the big cities around us are soccer cities. So it's an easy way, no matter if you like Tigres or not, to go watch Messi and then hate on Tigres, like the least cup uh, experience that I had in Portland and San Jose of many different fans of Mexican league teams like America, Chivas, Cruz Azul just went to the games to talk, you know, 
bad about Linus, talk bad about Osiel Herrera, talk bad about Cordova. Like, you know, these guys paid $60, $70 to just go talk mess about Hey, we'll take, we'll take their money anyway. We don't care, bro. You want to show up and, hey, we'll take your money. Yeah, it was wild. I was like, oh, my God, I loved it. And so with some drinks in me, it was great to be entertained by that. Um, Cole, Edgar, any last thoughts in the League's Cup? Praying it's in Dallas. I feel like we get left out a little bit. Houston's always a preferred bro, city. Bro, don't ever say that you're getting left out when you're going to get the World Cup final. Stop. Oh, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> in terms of Liga MX, in terms of Tigres specifically. Tigres, yeah. But I will say that Dallas Commission of Sports does do a phenomenal job about uh, bringing teams here. We yeah. have a contract. Mexico comes every year, play at the AT&T. So. Shout out, Jerry. We are fortunate that way. I will say that. Sort of. Yeah. I guess the last thing that I want to end this pod with is how great of a five-second time I had during the broadcast in the Querétaro game when Pasadena, Texas got a shout out <laughs> in the broadcast. That was fantastic. I, oh man. Houston got the shout out, but more specifically, the, the suburb or city of Pasadena, because where all the Tigres fans are at. That is Pasadena, no Leon. <laughs> yep. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, wonderful episode. Great, great time talking about Las Amazonas as well as the Tigres men's squad. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Hope you guys enjoy the episode and. Let's uh, get some more victories along the way. Take care, everybody. See you all soon.